Hey everybody, Jefferson Graham with USA Today. You're listening to the Talking Tech Roundtable from the USA Today podcast studio in Los Angeles. Today's Mother's Day weekend edition is brought to you by Time Warner Cable. Today we're going to convince mom to do something very, very important. Change her password, right? Absolutely. I hear lots of lots of people agreeing <laughs> with me. This week, some 273 million passwords were stolen from Gmail, Yahoo, and Microsoft accounts. And once again, we're hit over the head and remind us, reminded that, duh, we need to be way more vigilant about our digital lives and change our passwords every month or so. We're going to talk about good passwords versus bad and hear from our panel of digital experts how they handle their digital lives. Rashid has some great tips for you, as will everybody else. This weekend, we're go- this weekend, we're going to take a lot of new photos and videos. We want you to finally be able to find them. We've got pictures in Facebook, Dropbox, Flickr, you name it, and it's time this weekend to put them all together. Both Google Photos and the Ever Album app promise to back up every picture you take and make them available on your mobile phone in one place. We'll tell you how to do that, tell you how to get flowers direct from the farm to mom's kitchen table this weekend with Books. The Books Company. Books. Books. Did I pronounce it right? Books? Correct. Okay. And we'll introduce you to a cool new initiative from Google Spotlight Stories that's showcasing the best in virtual reality for mobile phones. And don't forget, we'll also have our What's Cool in Tech segment at the end of the show, outlining one app, website, or device that we've stumbled onto this week. But before we talk about mom, let's meet our panel. Speaking of books, everybody introduce themselves. Hi, I'm John Tabas. I'm founder and CEO of the Books Company at books.com. That's like bouquet, but shortened. So B-O-U-Q-S.com. We're an online cut-to-order flower company with uh, operations in South America and across the U.S. And uh, yeah, Mother's Day is our biggest day of the year, so we're literally at, right at the Super Bowl. And it's not too late. It's not too late. We have uh, on-demand artists and florists across the country in about 230 markets ready to take your order and deliver on-demand. And before we jump into the interview, I can order by Saturday night? Uh, yeah, Saturday night, you'd still be okay. The Actually, cutoff is Sunday, what time? It's going to vary by market. It depends yeah. on sort of each individual distribution point and how filled up they get. I would say sooner is certainly better. Okay, Rashid, tell everybody who you are. So I am Rashid El Garab, and I am project lead for uh, Spotlight Stories at Google. Uh, Spotlight Stories is about telling stories, uh, immersive, interactive stories for mobile and VR. And we're just introducing people to our new story, Pearl which is our seventh short film that we made in the series from animation, live action, hand-drawn classic animation with Glenn Keane, and this last one with Patrick Osborne. And you just happen to have the director sitting right next to you, whose name is? Hi, I'm Patrick Osborne, and I directed Pearl for Google Spotlight Stories. All right, and finally? Hi, I'm uh, Charlie Melby. I'm a co-founder of EverAlbum, which is an app that backs up and helps you rediscover every photo that you've ever taken. Um, we all have these huge photo libraries um, that are growing uh, faster and faster every year. And so we bring your photos together from 10 different sources and we help you uh, rediscover all these long lost photos that are currently stuck in your camera roll. Okay, so before we talk about that, let's start with passwords because you actually do have to register for your app and you have to put in a password. We have passwords. So I want to know everybody's tips. Rashid has one of the best. I've heard them all. They usually tell you no pets, no names, no no address of your home, um, no one, two, three, four, five, six, no password, use zeros, use symbols, use dollar signs, use, uh, use a, a combination of letters capital, small letters, capital letters, dollar signs, symbols, etc. But th- you do none of that. Yes. What do you do, Rashid? Um, I think all of that is actually uh, 
makes more problems than it solves. Uh, what you should do is pick a sentence. Passwords are harder to crack when they're long. Pick a sentence that makes sense to you, that you can remember easily, and then you can customize it for whatever website, app, thing that you're logging into. So add that name. Hey, I love USA Today. Pick that sentence, pick a longer one. This one is short, but that's the, that's the trick. So you would do more like, I love USA Day on September 9th, um, 2017 in Arkansas. Already enough. Pick a sentence because it will be easier for you to remember, easier for you to write once you, you get used to it, and it's easier to just customize it, add the name of whatever you log it into, and you're much safer than any of the weird symbols and numbers and capital things that you would probably forget. So we have to rebrand it from password to past sentence. And That's actually, it might make it a lot easier for you to remember to do something. I like it because you, it, the sentence is going to be tied to whatever the thing is that you're logging into, right? So it's That's easy right. to remember. Because my biggest issue with changing is trying to remember what I changed to. Right. So the, w the way that I, d I deal with that is I always do, I don't do names, I do nicknames. And I just rotate through my family. And then I add the birthday of that person, month, day, year, um, just the, you know, six digits on top of that. And that seems to work pretty well. Where I work at USA Day, we have to change it every three months. And it has to be a combination of letters, numbers, and symbols. I don't think I could get away with your sentence. I don't think I'd be able to pull it off. Just add the date at the end. Yeah? Yeah. And what they and would an exclamation point. They would say you've already used it. They, what they, they usually say is you've already used this password. You have to come up with something else. So what I do is stupid phrases that I say around the house um, that, that I've been saying for years. And then I usually throw numbers and symbols in there. My, bi my biggest thing to avoid that actually is um, I've, I've loved this app for a really long time. It's one password, and so they'll actually come up with passwords for you so you don't have to spend any time coming up with something that's secure. And then they will just store all of these random passwords that they come up for you, and then you just have to remember the one password to unlock all of them and automatically enter it into the website. I live on Dashlane, which is another password manager, okay. <laughs> and they want to create the M-E-X capital J yes. dollar 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 T, you know, and but sometimes it doesn't remember. Some I've gone That's to so worse. many sites yeah. that it doesn't remember it, so I don't feel I don't feel I have the nerve. Or okay, best case, you're in the you're in the bedroom and you're on the Roku device and they want uh -oh. you to sign into Amazon. Well, I don't have Dashlane on the TV. Yeah. So I, th so that that's where, where those yeah. crazy ones don't work. <laughs> yeah. What does yeah. what does John do? Um, so I do what I mentioned earlier, which is nicknames of family members, not actual names, plus uh, plus six digit birthdays. And I just you know I I, do, I probably am one of the worst at the sort of frequent resetting. But we have weird nicknames in my family, so it you know it sort of works out. I, I don't use this one anymore, so I can give it. My dad's nickname is Judge which is J-O-O-G-E, which is just not a word, right? And we have a lot of those in the family, so it's uh, it's not like it's a, a guessable name for the most part. And I would zero-zero him. Yeah. That's what I would <laughs> yeah. do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Your nickname is Books? Um, my, my nickname, man, my nickname has been uh, Bud and Chooch, C-H-O-O-C-H. But I haven't used, I don't use my own. It's That's just, another good one for two zeros. Yeah. Let's pause for one moment and listen to this message from the folks at Time Warner Cable. This episode of Talking Tech is brought to you by Time Warner Cable. With speeds up to 300 megs and fast, reliable Wi-Fi hotspots, you can power all your devices and stream video seamlessly with Time Warner Cable Internet. Now back to our show. And um, let's move on to photos. 
Let's talk about all the issues with the photos that are being taken, so many, and of course, all those out-of-memory messages that are constantly popping up on smartphones. I got one yesterday when my mother tried to take a picture, and uh, she was out of room. So that's a problem. Another one is, where are my photos anyway? On my computer, phone, Dropbox, Facebook? Oi! Charlie's got a solution to the problem with his Ever Album app. Tell us about it. Absolutely. So we, um, we start with... Uh storing all of your photos and uh, as, as Jeff mentioned um, you have photos on uh, your camera roll, you have them on your social networks, you have them on other cloud services like Google Photos or Dropbox and so our goal is to bring all of these photos together in one place finally um, and then once we've done that we've, we've built a really great system where we're helping users rediscover these, these years of photos that they actually currently don't look at um, with existing um, photo apps um, so we've tried to be really smart about finding moments that are memorable to our users, and we, we try to surface those um, at the right time. Um, and so we, we've tried to take uh, what other apps are doing with photo storage and take it um, a step further with, with actually rediscovering the, these memories that are important to users. And, okay. Uh, now, Google Photos does back up all your photos on your iPhone yes. and the computer yep. for free. Yep. You charge. Uh, so we, we uh, offer free backup as well. So for our free users, we'll, we'll back up as many photos as you want um, at a uh, lower sort of standard resolution. I think that's uh, similar to Google Photos' uh, uh, pricing model as well. Okay. You go beyond Google in that you will also pull photos from Facebook and Dropbox and other places. That's right. Yeah. So we, we're, we have access to Facebook data if you choose to give it to us. We can also go through your um, iMessage threads and unlock photos um, from there. I know that I have um, tons of threads with my best friends, with my family members. Um, and you know, once people share those photos, I typically uh, never look at them again. And so that's been really great for me. Um, in addition to the multiple sources, we also try to um, take a more personal approach to machine learning. Um, obviously, both EverAlbum and Google Photos um, utilize machine learning to make sense of these photo libraries. But um, we, we've tried to use it in a different way to actually uh, understand the photos that are meaningfully to you, photos that are important to you, versus simply understanding what you took a photo of, which is sort of the extent of Google's ability. But you right create now. little albums. Uh, we do. Yeah. Um, we also just launched a new feature called Explore, where we, um, we tried to understand the most important moments where people take photos, whether it's um, holidays, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whether it's um, landmarks, you're at the Golden Gate Bridge, and you, you get that really great shot right in front of it. Um, we tried to... Uh, look at the, these different places where people take photos and actually unlock the most um, memorable moments um, using that sort of structure. How's the app doing? It's doing well. Um, we've, uh, we're one of the fastest growing photo apps right now and we were lucky enough to be the number one top grossing productivity app in over 85 countries. Um, and so users are really loving it. And it costs how much to be a pro subscriber? So we have a subscription uh, called Plus, and it is $10 a month. Um, we currently offer um, higher resolution for the photos that we're backing up, as well as videos. Um, and uh, users are really loving that because it uh, expands the, uh, the amount of memories that they're, they're making safe in EverAlbum. All right. I'd love to hear from the rest of the guys here. How are you dealing with photo management? We're taking so many photos on our phones, and they're all over the place. Um, who wants to jump in? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I when I you know before coming on, I started looking up your app, and I have to say, like, I've been looking for a solution like this for quite some time. I've I've gone through two phone upgrades simply because I ran out of room, and I have three kids, 
And so it's just the amount of photos is sort of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, one question I actually had for, for, for in the app is one of the challenges I have with just the, the camera roll is that every photo is essentially equal. Right? Here's some photos of my kids. Here's some photos of my dog. Here's some photos of my house renovation. Here's some photos from work. And to get to any one type of content that I'm looking for, I have to look through everything. Do you guys have an easy way to filter through that content to say like, oh, here's my son and I want a I want all the birthdays. And so all of a sudden I'm just at the birthdays. That kind of, uh, of a thing is something I've been looking for as well. Yeah, so that's something that we <clears throat> are investing really heavily in. Um, we think that's a huge pain point that people are facing. Um, it's just that they're taking so many photos and they it's actually incredibly hard to find the ones that are actually meaningful to you. Um, so uh, as I mentioned before, we have a new feature called Explore, which allows you to um, kind of travel through your, your memories that are kind of in your photo library. Um, and so, uh, as you mentioned, you, you wanted to look at photos of just your son. So one um, section of Explore is that um, you're able to look through all of your friends and people that you've taken photos of and um, you're able to um, actually relive all of the moments you've shared with them. So I'm able to look at my best friends and actually see each sort of dinner we've had together, each um, you know concert we've been to, um, every holiday we've we've shared together, um, and it's it's a really great experience for um, the the, uh, the people kind of use case. And that's all via face recognition. Um, yeah. So. Uh, there's a few different ways that we categorize by people. Um, we know um, who shared photos with you. Um, we are able to look through your messages if you give us access. We can also look through Facebook to see who's tagging you in photos, um, who you're tagged with. Um, and then also face detection and face recognition is something we're investing a lot in as well. Very we, cool. I should say Google Photos does as well. They, they've been able to identify all of my family members and friends. To, uh, eerily, I mean, I mean, sometimes like my son will be all the way in the back all the way in the back in a room of 100 people and they picked him out and it's yeah it's very it's Sometimes amazing. Sometimes it tags like a bush is one of your friends too. Yeah <laughs> that's happened to you Patrick? There have been some mishaps that on, say on about Google Photos. <laughs> Patrick how are, you very, very green. how are you dealing with all the photos? I've, I've been a Flickr person for a long time and that's just kind of what I'm I guess I, I've been subscribing to that high res I, I stored all my high res photos back maybe eight eight nine years ago there and have stuck with it and now I just use Ift to automatically send everything I take on every device to Flickr. Okay. And, uh, and, and Flickr is one terabyte for free, uh, you, right? Yeah, I don't think I'm at a terabyte. I, I, I felt like it was unlimited. No, but they offered, Maybe it's not. I thought they offered <laughs> one terabyte of storage for free. Yeah, it, it, it goes back to a certain date, I think, or so many photos that you can see, but they're all still there. So I feel like safe about that. Like even if you stop paying, the photos are there. So um, you can always just yeah. pay again and get How about Rashid? Yeah. What's, what's he doing? I've used all the systems that exist on the planet, including, including Flickr, including uh, you know, just a photo stream from Apple. And like you, I have three kids, so I have photos of you know, 12 years of photos all over the place. Different yeah, my oldest is only four, so yours has <laughs> got to be massive. It's all over the place. <laughs> But uh, I just now converted to Google Photos because, you know, it, it, it does make a lot of that easier and I can just not care about it. And I just get these nice animations once in a while of things that they just pulled together, which is sort of a nice discovery part to it. But I would love to find a system as well, like your app, that, that just helps me 
at least pull all of the stuff that I have already that I just don't even remember that I put it somewhere. I great. like the animations. I wish you could actually click a button and share them. That's true. Right? That's true. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you, they'll they, make They keep sending you these things. Oh, you got this cool collage. Well, great. Well, can I do something with it? Can I show, show it to anybody? Yeah. 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 It's, it's really funny that, that you mentioned sharing because I, I personally am really interested in the concept of shared photos just because I think the most important photos that you take are with other people. You're, you're out and you're, you're having fun with them. Um, and so that's something that we've we've tried to really nail. And we have um, obviously the concept of albums, but we take it one step further and you can add other people to the album who are there with you and they can share their photos. And so that's been really awesome for family vacations. Finally, I don't have to worry that, you know, I have to get the same picture that my sister is taking because I know that she'll um, she'll automatically share it with me um, after the trip is over. So, so shared photos, I think, are a really awesome use case for this as well. Speaking of sharing, Patrick and Rashid are sharing a microphone like John and Paul used to, or as they like to say, Keith and, Keith and Mick, and they're, uh, they're going to fill us in on what Google is doing in the world of virtual reality. They've got a really interesting initiative called Spotlight Stories, which is to bring the best of 360 to YouTube and mobile phones. Rashid, tell them all about it. So Spotlight Stories is one of those projects where it started from how can we tell stories that are made for mobile first and now VR because it, it turned out that it's very similar if not it's sort of the same medium which is immersive stories and not only how can you build stories or shoot them if it's live action or animate them if it's CG uh, that are immersive and you can put a person inside but also how do you then direct in that kind of medium because the moment you let somebody in a story and they're inside of it you're now dealing with the fact that they're they're controlling your camera. And that was the basic tool that a director uses to focus the attention of the audience. And so we had to come up with a whole new film language, a whole new sets of techniques, some of them adapted from what film makers have been using, and some of them are completely new to help directors, uh, storyboard artists, artists, animators create stories that people still enjoy with the same or more impact than what you would get from uh, sort of a, a traditional theatrical movie. Okay, well, Patrick Osborne, who is the director of your latest film, Pearl, which has not come out yet, is here. And uh, Patrick, you, you're in, all the action takes place in a car and it's all drawn, it's all animated. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's essentially a, uh, something like a game engine that, um, that ATAP made from scratch. Uh, that allows you, as a director, to I mean, you have to create everything. You have to create the entire experience, everything that the uh, viewer is watching. And, and like Rashid said, it is a little bit of uh, of a challenging thing as someone who's used to directing film, where we're able to tell the audience exactly what they're seeing at all times. That you have to let go a little bit of that control and say, let the audience just experience it. And um, I try to take it a little bit more like it's a theater production or something, where you know that you know. The, the audience is going to see every single thing, uh, but if the if the choices are consistent and you can actually get the story across just as well as any film, um, technique-wise, it's not that different than making feature animation. It's the same tools, it's the same people. And soon to come to a mobile phone near you. Yes, soon. <laughs> All right. The other thing that's coming soon is Mother's Day. Let's move on to Flowers. Books will deliver flowers from the farm to the kitchen table. Why go 1-800-Flowers when you can get fresher flowers, right? 
That's right. John Tabus is going to talk flowers with us. He's the co-founder of Books, whose partner JP lives on an active volcano in Ecuador. <laughs> that is true. Managing the flower farms. That's oh. true. Yeah, he was. Uh, we just saw. He was just. Uh, uh, quoted in Fox Business today, talking about sort of the where flowers come from and why that's important. So, you know, flowers is a sleepy $16 billion a year business here in the U.S., and a large chunk of that's happening right now as we speak. Um, and, you know, people sometimes ask, like, oh, it's actually bigger than Valentine's Day, right? And I say, yeah, why? Because everyone's got a mom, right? By definition, everyone has an opportunity to Everybody buy does not have a sweetheart. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so you know, where your flowers come from is important for a few reasons. Uh, the first is uh, the traditional supply chain of flowers means that the flowers, by the time they get to the, your local area, are already two weeks old. And so by the time they get to you, after some time in your local area, you're talking about flowers that are 17 or 18 days dead with only a couple days left. And so most people don't actually know what a true fresh flower looks like because the journey from largely South America, or in some cases California, takes so long to get into your local area. And so what we do is we drop ship direct from those farms to your loved ones or any, in any of the 50 states, which means you're getting flowers that are three or four days old rather than 17 or 18 days old. And just by definition, the amount of time they have in the vase is going to be significantly longer. Uh, the other part that's really important is that, much like uh, in uh, Leo DiCaprio's movie Blood Diamond, where we sort of were all taken through an adventure about the sort of shady operations within diamonds, most flower farmers are really great people and they operate the right way, but there are some that cut corners and, and use red label chemicals that permanently damage the earth or cut down rainforests or uh, use child labor to pick their flowers. And uh, by being transparent to the source, we know exactly who's farming our flowers. We know the way they operate and we get a really you know, great qualified third-party certifiers to make sure they're not doing those things. So folks like Veriflora and Rainforest Alliance visit these farms and have uh, systems and checks to make sure that these are responsibly grown flowers. So if anybody's listening, they go to your website. Books.com, B-O-U-Q-S.com. And they shop for roses and daffodils and whatever. Yeah, you know, at this point, we've we, we projected a really aggressive Mother's Day, and we sold out of pretty much everything yesterday. So um, our Farm Direct stuff is officially closed as of about 10 a.m. this morning. Um, but we also built a artisan florist network across the country. We're in 230 markets where you can order flowers for on-demand delivery in as little as two hours. And what we're giving the opportunity for our florist partners is to source from the same farms. So they can actually tap into that farm network, which our network at this point grows about 1.5 billion stems of flowers per year. They can tap into that network, supply their shop with responsibly grown, grown super fresh flowers, and then we'll actually help them get additional orders for their local business. Okay, so my big question, and I know everybody in this room has the same question, right, is why Ecuador? Why are you? Why not San Luis Obispo? Sure. Why not Camarillo? Yeah. Why not Ventura? So <laughs> um, historically, the vast majority of flowers sold in the U.S. came out of California. It's the most temperate state in the union, um, relatively consistent temperatures. But compared to Ecuador and Colombia, the temperatures swing wildly. And so what you need for, for a flower to bloom consistently is a very consistent temperature. And uh, here in the U.S. and especially, um, you know, sort of the northeastern states, that, that just doesn't happen, right? You get from minus 20 in Chicago where I used to live up to 80 in the summer. So it's virtually impossible to grow flowers outside. In California, it's more moderately temperatured. But still, there's a pretty big swing, and every time the temperature swings from summer to fall to winter to spring, you have to replant, or at the very least, you have to manage that temperature via greenhousing or whatever it might be. Uh, in Ecuador and Colombia, those, those countries are literally on the equator, so you get extremely consistent temperatures year-round. And the really cool part is, and this is why our flowers are largely grown, are grown on a volcano, 
is at the top of, of a mountain is always winter. It's always really cold. And at the very bottom, it's always summer. It's very hot. And in between are spring and fall. And so if you want to grow a spring flower, you just find the right altitude and you plant. And that flower blooms year round rather than only within that, that time of year, which is why you can get roses pretty much any time of year now. And so your yield per square foot of plant is just significantly higher, which means you get more productivity, which means that you can make more money. And so that's really why sort of most of the, the production in the U.S. shifted down there. And we work with a bunch of amazing local Californian farms as well. We also have farms in Ohio and southern Canada. So it's not exclusive to that region, um, but that just temperature difference is really what drove the shift to South American growth. How long does it take to get a flower from Ecuador to uh, Palm Springs? Yeah, so um, it, yeah, it depends on, on sort of what di day of the week, but you know, international orders, which for us start at 40 bucks flat, so no additional fees, no shipping, any of that kind of stuff, coming out of Ecuador or Colombia will take anywhere from five to six days to arrive uh, from the time you place the order. What we do is we, we try to push people as much as possible to pre-plan and, and essentially subscribe to their deliveries. So there's a couple options, but one of the best ones is literally you put in all the important dates for your loved ones, the birthdays, the anniversaries, or whatever, we give you a huge price break, it's 25% off, so it's only 30 bucks a delivery, and that automatically pings orders out, and you're the, you're the person who never forgets. Um, it's literally called a never forget subscription. Um, so those will take five to six days. If you're ordering from a domestic farm, so something here in California, or like I said, Ohio or Southern Canada, that can get there the next day. If you order by 2 Eastern, it arrives by 10 a.m. the next morning. And then the on-demand florist is for the forgetful ones who are, you know, same day, within a couple hours. Um, you pay a little bit more. It's $60 rather than $40, um, but you're getting it within a couple hours. Okay, so I'm paying $40 to get flowers from Ecuador. Correct. Okay, and I can go down, the, I can go to the supermarket and get flowers for $10. So talk, talk, talk me Correct. out of that. Yeah, most flo online floral gifting is for occasions where you're not personally, physically going to be there. So most people are sending flowers to their mom because their mom doesn't live down the street. Um, it's hard to argue with the value you can get in a, in a grocery store. The flowers aren't going to be very fresh. They're not going to last very long. Your, your choice is going to be somewhat limited. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my loved ones don't want flowers from a place that also sells meat. So there's a brand impact there as well. Did um, you tell them? <laughs> Did you tell them where the flowers come from? This is right next to the, uh, yeah. the, so, the meat store. Yeah, so that's, that's sort of part of it. Um, but the other part of it is you're not going to go down the street to, you know, a, a Great, a great store has great flowers is Trader Joe's. They have amazing flowers. But what you're not going to do is pick that up, take it to a FedEx location, put it in a box and ship it to your mom who lives back in New York or wherever she might live. And so for online gifting, a lot of it's about the sort of arrival of the flowers and how it feels and then just the physical distance. And so uh, that's why a lot of people you know, hop online and try to find a provider. What we try to do is curate the world in terms of the farms and the florists to make it really easy to order. We sort of strip away a lot of the the mess that is in online flower ordering with all the you know teddy bears and the balloons and the cheesy plastic butterflies and stuff and make it a really elegant experience for the buyer as well as for the recipient. Have you heard about the bots on Facebook Messenger? Yes. Which uh, it, 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 people, people don't know, you're in Messenger and you're communicating with your friends, now you can uh, become friends with 1-800-Flowers and have a computer bot sell you a floral display in your messaging app. I was wondering what you think of that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, it's certainly something we'll keep an eye on over time because it's, you know, I'm curious to see how it takes off. You know, we were actually the first floral partner for Facebook gifts back when that existed. Um, and what we, we they learned through that experiment, we learned was that not a lot of people are going to Facebook to buy stuff. 
They're going to Facebook to connect with people and to communicate. Um, and I think the other limitation there, and I'm not sure exactly how this will evolve over time, is that it, Flowers is extremely visual purchase, right? You're, they put looking pictures at, in. Yeah, they'll plop them in, but it's not a really easy way to surf a catalog to find out what your loved one might like. And that's a very personal choice. It's, I always say this, that Flowers is the most dollars, uh, the, the emotion per dollar spent is the highest in the world. You know, a car is an emotional purchase, but it's really expensive. A house is an emotional purchase, but it's really expensive. Flowers are more emotional, and they're 40 to $70. And, uh, and so making that choice is a very personal journey for the sender because they believe that it reflects on them and their relationship with the recipient. And so, like I said, I, I, we'll see how it evolves over time. I, I'm actually very curious to see, and I, and I hope it is a good outlet because uh, we're always looking for new ways, and, and we're a very technologically forward floral vendor compared to most, so we're always looking for ways to engage with technology to better the experience. All right, now we're at a table with five guys. Raise your hands. Who's sent flowers to the mother yet? Two, oh, wait, wait, I got two and a half? What, Rashid, you sort of put your hand on, on the way. It's, it's on, on the way. way. You're on thinking way. about it after this show, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but Charlie did it. Where, yeah, did, where I, did you get your flowers? I can hook you guys up so, with some discount codes. That, that, would, that would have been useful. I actually decided to, to opt out of the flower approach this, this year, and I went with a nice kind of wine and kind of gift basket sort of thing. You want to make your mother drunk. Very yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what she would want. Yeah, right. Okay, finally, guys, it's time for our What's Cool in Tech segment where we pick one new app, device, or website we've stumbled onto this week. I know I've got mine. Who's, who wants to go first? I'll go. I'll okay, go, go ahead, so, uh, so it's, it's not new uh, to this week, but pretty recent to our company. We, we started using this application called Bonusly, and I don't know if you guys have heard about this in your organizations, but it's bonus.ly. Um, they recently launched an app. And essentially, it's micro bonuses for employee-to-employee bonuses within an organization. So um, it's one of these things where if someone helps you out or just does great work, you can say, hey, here's 10 bonusly points for Jackie because she was so happy today or whatever it might be. And, um, and that adds up. And then over time, you can redeem them for sort of in-office perks, like you might get a special parking spot or for gift cards or whatever it might be. And we found it's, it's just, and then we, we publish each bonusly up on a screen so everyone can literally see everybody giving each other this great positive feedback. And culturally, it's an amazing thing, especially for a smaller company. Um, so I've really enjoyed that company and that app. It's, uh, it's, it's really transformative because um, it empowers employees to build relationships with one another that they might not have had otherwise. And then it's just really fun. You know, one of the things you can turn your points in for is a mystery prize. We sort of think of it like, let's make a deal. Or you can trade in points for a chance to win the thing behind the mystery box. And uh, people get really engaged with it. They get really excited about those things. And it, and it creates a, a cultural moment pretty much every day that, that is really fun for everyone involved and is also, you know, monetarily rewarding for folks too. All right, Charlie, what do you got? Uh, so I saw something cool this week. Uh, a consumer product. It was called uh, Talk Show. Uh, their slogan was texting in public. Um, and it all started from an Instagram that Taylor Swift posted. It was an iMessage conversation between her and Ed Sheeran. Just kind of funny, you know, they were talking just like you might talk to one of your friends on a text message. And so they took that idea and they, they built a, a, an app where people can have conversations and then the entire world can kind of tune in and, and uh, read what they're, what they're talking about. Um, so it, it, it actually is kind of cool. Um, they just launched this week, and so there's, you know, they're still kind of ramping up their content, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And you, you, you read other people's conversations this week. Yeah. Uh, Who did you read? So there was a lot of um, kind of tech industry people. I saw Dick Costello, former CEO of Twitter, um, kind of doing some kind of weird, like, anti-20 questions sort of thing. It was, it was really funny, and I 
couldn't quite follow what was going on, but I enjoyed being able to see this conversation that he was having with some of his friends. So cool. I've been going live with my mother on Facebook and convincing her that people actually find it interesting. Oh, nice. And yeah. She's not convinced yet. Let's hear from the VR guys. What do you guys got? Well, I'll, I'll be a little Patrick. bit cliche with that and say that I just got, um, just finally had the, the Vive delivered to our house and have been, um, it's the HTC Vive headset, the, yes. the competitor to Oculus Rift. Exactly, yeah. And there's a there's an app in there. It's room scale VR, which means you can walk around a room um, and and trip over things that you forgot <laughs> to move. But uh, the the app Tilt Brush, I like to draw. I've drawn my whole life in sketchbooks, and to be able to actually draw in space three dimensionally is a mind blowing change. And I can't wait to see all the stuff that people will make with it. At a music industry convention in January, I did the uh, virtual drums, where I played the drums in the air and made sounds. I was I had well, I was connected to Oculus and the headset was on me, and I was just I was banging away, I was hitting the cymbals, and, and it was unbelievable. And when it was done, I put the cymbals down. I mean, I put the drumsticks <laughs> drum down. I put the drumsticks <laughs> down, and they fell on the floor. That, that's how real it was. <laughs> yes. Rashid, what do you got? Um, this uh, last week, I finally tried uh, this. Valve demo on uh, HTC Vive called The Lab. And it's sort of a, a playroom uh, filled with different experiences, very simple. You can, you can just, with the controllers, you can just pull like a sphere from in front of you and it's got a whole universe in front of it. You just pull it towards your face and you suddenly in the universe. And you, you can just play with the controllers, pick objects, toss them from one hand to another. And it's the first time that I've actually experience an interest in just uh, the ability to feel sort of like you're physically there, kind of what you said with, with the drums. I actually tossed something from one hand and grabbed it with the other hand and it, and it went exactly in the right place uh, without me ever seeing my hands. I'm just seeing these sort of floating controllers in the air. And so as a game developer for a long time, I, I felt like there's so many interesting physical play, like a games that you can you can do either for kids or adults that would be so interesting now that we can actually move around the room, toss things at each other. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I can't wait. I saw a PlayStation VR demo that was not a game, um, but I'm not even really sure why they made it, but my we got to try it out at a PlayStation kind of convention, and uh, my friend was, was in it, and it's actually an office simulator, so you're in yes. a cubicle, and you have, like, coffee, and you're doing stuff, and it's kind of silly, but my friend, like, picked up the coffee and tried to drink it, and he, he actually spilled it on himself, and he recoiled because <laughs> he thought he had dumped the hot liquid on himself. It was the craziest thing to see. Yeah, yeah. My uh, what's new, what's cool in tech is a new app. It's actually an old app, but it's rebranded. It's called it, it, it was called Replay, and it's now called Quick. It was bought by GoPro this week. And it's one of those, we'll take everything on your phone, we'll automatically make a video, uh, which I, I know, Charlie, you've seen a zillion of these. They did a pretty good job. Uh, you know, I, I generally don't like automatics uh, because they always get so many things wrong, but they did a nice job, and they give you the edit tool that you can adjust the timing on the video. Uh, so it's kind of fun. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, the question is, what's GoPro going to do with it? Because I'm sure everybody here sees everybody walking around with their GoPro cameras. So what do they do with the footage, right? <laughs> hours and hours of GoPro footage. So you're going to have to take the GoPro, pair it to your phone, put the footage in your phone, and then you can have an automatic edit with this app. So I think it's going to be a while till GoPro will see anything of it. But just another video app. It's kind of fun to play with. 
And that is our What's Cool in Tech segment. That also c- concludes our show today. Thank you, everybody, for joining the, the uh, roundtable. I hope you all had a good time. Thanks for having us. And Thank you. everyone, Thank you. don't forget to buy your Mother's Day uh, flowers, right? Absolutely. John will offer you a discount code. Just, just <laughs> hit him up on Twitter, right? <laughs> Absolutely. At John G. Tavis. Lots of coupon codes ready to go. Okay. <laughs> Boom. And it's uh, B-O-U-Q-S.com. Correct. And we also have a, a new app in the App Store launched about 10 days ago. All right, Patrick and Rashid, tell everybody how to find you. Uh, Google Spotlight Stories on YouTube, youtube.com slash GSS, or the Google Spotlight Stories app um, on iOS and Android. And soon, very soon, you will see the latest story, Pearl, from Patrick Osborne. It's at Patrick T. Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E, Twitter. All right, Charlie? Uh, so Ever Album, we bring your photos together and we help you rediscover them. And we're available on iOS and Android, Ever Album. Um, and we're coming to desktop in the next few months as well. And if people want to hit you up on Twitter? Uh, so my Twitter is Charlie Melby. And on Ever Album, we are at Ever Album. And spell Melby? Uh, Melby, M as in Mary, E-L, B as in boy, Y, E. Alrighty. I'm at Jefferson Graham on Twitter. I'm, I have a, a public Facebook page. Uh, I'm at... at uh, jgram at usaday.com if anybody wants to email me. Talking Tech, we do the podcast every day and we do the hour show during, um, on, it usually runs on the weekends. So thanks everyone for listening. The show is brought to you by Time Warner Cable. 